Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets Antenna Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're doing on this show, recapping another exciting week of ATP Challenger action with our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they talk about a busy upcoming stretch on the ATP Challenger calendar. They chat about Will Blumberg's many early pro successes in doubles, discuss the joys of watching an event on carpet courts as they got to do last week, and so much more is another fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, was a busy week across the pro tennis world last week, and if you've missed out on any of the action, you can catch up with on it all with us here at Crack Rackets over on our mini break podcast feed. Tennis Channel editorial producer David Kane joined me to discuss Annette Conteve's run to the year-end finals in Guadalajara. She wins back-to-back events in Moscow two weeks ago. Now, this past week in Romania, David and I discuss what this run means for her. Moving forward, we discuss how she been able to achieve so much success over the past few months. We also discuss the many young stars currently emerging on the WTA Tour. I want you to thank Clara Tossin. I want you to thank Anne Lee. Of course, a little Emma Raducanu discussion sprinkled in as well. We talk about where Simona Halep goes from here, given the emerging quality of the rest of the WTA field and so much more. It was a fantastic conversation. I know you all will enjoy. I'm also going to recap the runs on the ATP Tour side titles from Alex Zverev, Marin Chillich last week. That'll be a second mini break podcast for all of you on Monday. Again, that's how busy of a week it was. We had to divide up into three podcasts here on Monday to catch up on all of the action, but enough with the previewing. You came here to hear what happened on the ATP Challenger Tour, so without further ado, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode with host Damien Kust and Jakob Babro. Uh, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. Uh, I'm once again joined by, by my friend Jakub, and I guess we're just going to jump right into it and maybe start with the East Morning Challenger, which which was held on a well a novelty surface at this point. How did you like watching carpet tennis this week? It was, you know, it was definitely an exciting change of pace uh, to see some carpet tennis. Obviously, I mean, it, it, it's very... Uh, kind of like a blast from the past. We don't see it much nowadays anymore. Uh, it's been eradicated completely from the main tour. But it was definitely interesting trying to see some of the players um, adjust to the surface. And I, I feel like we got some quite exciting uh, uh, tennis out of it. So how did you like it? Sure. I mean, if it's just a couple of weeks in a row, uh, like in, in, a, in a single year, that, that's pretty cool for me. Uh, I, I wish there was that Asian event as well that would have given some nice variety, but I mean, we barely had any events in, events in Asia. Actually, yeah. maybe one more thing before we start. Did you see the calendar for December? Uh, no. no like there, there's literally no off-season this year. The, the last week of the Challenger Tour starts December 13th. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not see that. No. We've, we've got six uh, Challenger events in December. Nothing really, you know, that stands out. I mean, there's going to be South America every single week, two editions of the Maya Challenger, which finished the season in both 2019-2018, a couple of Challenger 50s in Antalya, which is also pretty crazy in December, November. And, well, that's November 22nd, but there's a Challenger in Bahrain, which is fairly interesting. 
Oh, um, wow. I have no idea yeah. if, if it ever was an event. This is certainly a new one, but if there ever was a Bahrain challenger, but anyhow, there's, there's going to be now. Um, yeah, so we can just jump right into Ismaning, I guess. Uh, yeah, so, so in this morning we had Oscar Ote win the title over Lukasz Latsko, 6-4, 6-4 in the final. His third challenger title, he goes up to number 126. Uh, en route to that title, he beat Robin Hase, Julian Lenz, Maximilian Materer, and uh, Maxime Cressy. I believe the last two of them in third set tiebreakers. So he certainly had an exciting run. Uh, Latsko gets to re-enter the top 200 with this run. He's up 16 spots. Uh, it's his, it was his 27th challenger title, uh, and he won his winning in 2019. And Latsko beat Kopil, Mahaj, Bachinger, and Halis. Uh, yeah, what, what did you make of Otto? What did you make of Latsko this week? What did you say I'm again that it was his what? It was his what challenger title? Sorry, no, uh, 27th challenger final. Ah, uh, Latsko's okay, okay. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that number. <laughs> uh, still, I mean, still, still, it's absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, Otta, yeah, as you said, two, 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 two thirds of tiebreakers, which you kind of expect on carpet. Against Marter, he was two five down. Uh, against Cressy, it was once again pretty much the matter of uh, Cressy's double faults in important moments. But I mean, Oscar Otte is someone we kind of expect to, to have these big results, right? I mean, he was so great at the yeah. slums this year, barely got any results on the Challenger Tour. Like before, <laughs> before Alicante, it was pretty much that one final in Prague when he lost to Griegspor. And otherwise, he's been just awful, which, which was so surprising to see. Uh, because he was actually playing very well. And he never had an indoors final on the Challenger Tour before this week, which which definitely caught me off guard, because his game just seems perfect for these conditions. But yeah. anyhow, he, he, he was really dominant in the finals. Uh, I didn't expect that, but that serve and return difference that he had over Lachko was just, just too much. Uh, I think he lost like six points on serve in the final and uh, six, four, six, four might look close, but I mean, on carpet, that's often, <laughs> that's often a huge advantage and it definitely was. And as for Lachko, I don't know how he keeps doing that. These challenger random runs out of nowhere, like this, this, this year, I think he lost in 15 first rounds and yet he won in Mallorca, yet he finished runner up here. I was a bit disappointed by the performance in the final, but I don't really think he could have done much, much better. Like maybe, maybe be a bit cleaner in the extended rallies that he got to, but in in general, the not having a, a huge serve and not having a huge return like Ota just just kind of killed his chances there. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched bits and pieces of the final um, and I felt like Otta was just going through his service games so easily. Latsko couldn't get anything going on return. Uh, and he sort of got, got frustrated with, with it towards the end where you could sort of see that he just couldn't get anything going at all. Uh, and it felt like his service games were more of a struggle and obviously he got broken twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that he makes these he has these weird runs out of nowhere. But you know, it's it sustains him. He's still in the top two hundred, or again in the top two hundred, so it works for him. Uh, obviously, carpet works for him as a surface, which is you know great great to see. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like as he said in the in the rallies, like his backhand is just so unreliable. He either has to push it or, or it's just going wild. So um, yeah, I, I, I always felt like Otto was was the favorite going to that final there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Otto's chances of of getting top one hundred? Um, I mean, honestly, pretty good because because he's a number one twenty six now. Uh, let me see how many points he needs there, but I don't think it's that much. Yeah, so points wise, I think it's pretty big, but but like 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 two hundred or something like that. Yeah, it's two hundred something points. Um, obviously, he gets his U.S. Open uh, points until the U.S. Open next year, so he has a very strong window of opportunity there to to break the top 100 for sure there yeah exactly i think that's the time frame where he needs to do it this is the make it or break it time yeah because like 40 percent of his points before this week came from that us open run these are 205 i believe uh because 180 for the forefront and 25 for for qualifying so literally he pretty much has until september to do it and if he keeps up this level he he probably should i mean there are there are going to be a lot of fast surface events in the in the first half of the season anyway so uh, yeah, yeah i was kind of surprised by, by like just how little he had done on the challengers like, like when i was looking at him in the challengers that i put together he was he's quite low down even after the title He's um, number forty-eight now, which is, wow. I mean, with with the uh, with the final and the title, not great. He, he hasn't done much outside of it, really. He's around, yeah. you know, Taro Daniel, Denis Kudla, Filip Poransky levels. It's easy to remember been, this year as great yeah. for Ota because of how well how well he performed at the slams, but it actually, yeah. at least until recently, it wasn't that good. Like right now, he has Alicante semis here a title. We'll see what's what's gonna happen later. But yeah, until recently, it wasn't that good. Uh, is there anyone else you want to point out here? Uh, from Ismaning, not really. I don't think that there was like a run that really grabbed my eyes. Didn't we catch yours? Mats Rosenkrantz got another win, which we you know we, we advocated for giving him wild cards to these carpet events, and he had just a very rough draw. I mean, to to have the, the defending champion Mark Andrea Westland and then Mats Rosenkrantz, oh Mats Rosenkrantz, obviously Maximilian Marterer in the second round uh, was very rough, but he still got a good showing. Uh, Kasper Zuk made the quarterfinal, which was which was quite nice to see for me. Uh, the carpet obviously suits him well as well. Most of the players that that went far were big hitters. I mean, per, maybe Foretek and Seppi were the only one, the only guys that really, you know, sort of had different play styles and and still managed to work out this this surface for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I think we can go uh, to 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 the next event. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's stay in Europe. Let's go to Brest, which was the biggest um, event this week, Challenger ninety. Where four seed Brandon Nakashima beat Joao Souza 6-3, 6-3 in the final. It's his third challenger title. He goes up to number 65 in the rankings. On his way there, he he beat Jean Borpiroz, Benavisa Patamiraes, Andrew Laxman, and Alexander Muller. He didn't drop a single set. Uh, I, I saw that you called it routine on Twitter. I have to agree. I mean, <laughs> um, he's nine and one in his last 10 matches as he reached the Antwerp quarterfinals as a qualifier. Uh, for Souza, interesting stat. It's his first challenger final since Guimaraes 2013. So a long time for him. He's been on the main tour, obviously, for the most part. Uh, Souza beat Granier, De Shepper, 
um, Gaio and Janvier, and he gets to re-enter the top 150. Uh, what did you think of the final? What did you think of Nakashima and Souza? I mean, Souza, it's great that he's getting the confidence back, but you know, the run wasn't anything spectacular, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, he just sort of cleaned up what he was expected to. Uh, we both picked Brooksby to win this title, by the way, and he withdrew, so uh, <laughs> so, so that was kind of unfortunate. Uh, but any, but I mean, he he probably didn't want to have the uh, that that little dilemma of whether to play on here or go to Paris Qualies, which a couple of players here had. Uh, I'm talking of Laksan and Vanasha, but maybe I'll get to that in a second. Uh, as you said, Nakashima, I mean, he was broken twice in in the whole event, and he's obviously not the biggest server in the world. He, I think, he faced three breakpoints. Uh, the the win to you know the, out of the quality of the opponents the win that stands out is Laksonen but actually there I really have my doubts in terms of how involved how motivated how involved Auri was in the match because honestly maybe you know maybe it's not straight up tanking maybe it was just subconscious that once he was down the set uh, or or down a break he just uh, you know thought okay i can lose this i have paris qualities on the weekend uh but but yeah that that, that really wasn't a great match from the swiss and, and nakashima just cleaned it up which was you know the the the, the path wasn't tough except for laxonen but the, the sheer routine quality it, it, it makes it impressive still uh, and the the way he was playing he's gonna be a threat at the at the next gen finals which i'm assuming he will play he is signed up for Stockholm, but not currently not in uh, either uh, to the main draw or to the qualifying draw. Probably will get into the qualifying, but I'm assuming you don't really skip uh, next-gen finals for a qualifying to an ATP event, at mm. least. That's yeah. what I think. Uh, yeah, that, that would definitely not be great for the event if, if guys started doing that. Um, yeah, outside of that, I think it was um, interesting uh, with Luca van Ash, who beat Horansky and Guinard. Uh, Guinard, who beat uh, Rinderknecht in the first in the um, first round, which was certainly shocking. I did not expect that at all. Janvier uh, reached the semifinals. Uh, Miller reached the semifinals. Yeah, the, the draw sort of um, fell apart a bit. It, it certainly wasn't as strong as we expected it to be. Beginning of the week, I think. Uh, anything else from Brest? No, probably not. I think we can go. I I am I, quite surprised at the during the next form, really. Like, uh, I don't know what to think about it. I, I, on the one hand, it makes sense because he's, you know, his strike zone fits very well with the higher bounce of clay. But then again, if you remember how he played indoors early in the season or 2020, uh, it's it's still rather... I mean, it's it's not like Guinard is a bad loss. I'm just talking about a sort of a trend that we've seen in his results in the past uh, couple of months already. I think. Also, uh, Dumbia and Rabu won, won the won the title, which I think gives them like a huge lead in the in the challenger race rankings right now, right? Uh, yes. So so they're number one by hundred and fifty six points here over Galloway and Lawson. Uh, gotta be hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they put together the most. It was it was their twentieth tournament together where they uh, had points. So they might have actually played more, but I don't know down the first round exits for doubles. But yeah, it's it's twenty tournaments where they've at least won a match, which is quite insane for for the challenger tour. Um, 
But yeah, let's go to Vegas, where we had JJ Wolf win the title over Stefan Kozlov, his fifth, fifth, sorry, fifth challenger title. Uh, goes up to number 159, up 36 spots. He beat Mochizuki, Kudla, Escobedo, and Mo. Um, Kozlov uh, is up to number 224, up 23 spots. Uh, he beat Sazikuman Mukund, McHugh, uh, Emilio Gomez, and Alexander Kovacevic. So what did you think of the final? What did you think of the guys? Yeah, it's, it's such a hard matchup for Wolf. Uh, we... Was it last week that we talked about uh, which ATP pros we would least like to play? Uh, uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, and I think Stefan Kozlov is a very viable option as well. <laughs> All these unique shots and off-base balls are just so hard to hit through, and Kovacevic definitely felt that on his, uh, in his semi. And then Wolf somehow managed to live through it. He was hitting these short cross-court forehands very well which allowed him to to sort of open up the points but but it but it was still you know you could clearly see why he struggles there i think he, he must hate this matchup at this point in columbus he lost it here he won it uh it's great that wolf is winning again after the surgery as as we mentioned that i think multiple times his poor win-loss record was mostly due to how good most of the most of the opponents were uh, it's great that actually he's one of the players who benefited from the ranking freeze and you know hasn't dropped down that much, which should set him up to, to come back fairly soon. He's 160 at the moment, I think. So 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 he really hasn't lost much, even though he he missed half a year, over half a year. Uh, and Kozlov just keeps playing very well. Uh, I don't, you know, in terms of players like that, you just, it's so hard to tell what exactly improves because, because for, for, for a couple, for a good couple of years, he was basically um, it, constantly dropping down the ranks and suddenly he's playing so well. I think the service is, is improved probably the, the first serve plus one play uh, as well, but Honestly, uh, very impressed with, with both. It was a very fun week of tennis in Las Vegas, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, what, what did you think of uh, Kovacevic this week? He, he had a strong week. Sure. Uh, the, the way he just routined guys like Altmaier and Daniel, obviously they're not in great form. They're not... No, I mean, Altmaier is not a hardcore player. Taro Daniel is sort of an awkward guy. But uh, to, to see him just consistently rack up these wins against such experienced pros is is great and just fills me up with more confidence that this guy is going to be great at this uh, at some point i think i picked uh, Tens sandgren who to to win this week who was uh, yeah. in the who, who retired in the first round but if i remember correctly kovacevic was someone i i, I thought about as well uh, yeah our, our picks across the board have, haven't been great <laughs> <laughs> I had I had one decent one with uh, in Lima, but I think yeah. overall they were they, they sucked. Yeah, uh, who did you pick in uh, in Las Vegas? Uh, I had Fratangelo. Fratangelo, uh, to yeah. Escobedo, yeah. Um, and then obviously before we had, we both had Brooksby, uh, Ismaning. I had Cressy, and you had oh, so Cressy was Cressy was a good pick as well. So we both had one good yeah, pick. Yeah. Uh, I had Morain who who withdrew, so country be blamed for this. Yeah, he had bad luck with the withdrawals this week. Um, yeah, should we go to Lima? 
maybe mention uh, William Blumberg winning the Las Vegas Challenger. He's been hmm. incredible ever since getting on the main tour, uh, on the main tour, on the professional tour. But for some reason, he's already pretty much being a double specialist. Like he played he played three singles matches in July, lost all of them by the way, but it was you know close games against Mitchell Kruger and Alex Bolt. And he's 12-1 in doubles, uh, winning two challenger titles with Brian Schnur and winning Newport uh, with uh, Jack Sock. Uh, I have no idea why why he made, you know he, that decision making uh, is uh, is is in his mind, but I mean he's still playing extremely well in these in these doubles. Uh, I saw someone making a case that Sock and Blumberg are probably a top twenty doubles team. I mean people get kind of crazy with. Jack Sock as a doubles player. I've seen so many outrageous opinions that he's the best doubles player in the world. I mean, he is underranked, of course. If he focused on that, he'd be amazing. But I mean, I feel like it's kind of a stretch if we have guys like, I don't know, Pierre Gerber or Mate Pavic or I don't know, even Jamie Murray or some, something like that. I, I just feel like it's kind of disrespectful to, uh, you know, to say that Jack Sock is definitely the best player in the world. But anyhow, William Blumberg is uh, is playing very well in these in these challengers. I have no clue why why he won't play singles. Uh, I mean, Bryden Schnur. I said Bryden Schnur, right? Uh, obviously, Max Schnur. Yeah, it is Max Jacob Schnur. Obviously, yeah. Max Schnur, not Bryden Schnur. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see him specialized this young, uh, but you know some guys just do it like like, like Matej Pavic specialized quite young. Obviously, that's working out for him. Um, and I feel like Schnur, uh, not, not sorry, not Schnur, a Blumberg is sort of at a point where like his singles ranking is just so low. He's almost on rank. He's like outside the top two thousand, and now he's like a top two hundred doubles player. Like I'm I'm not sure how many tournaments he's he's getting into with with a singles ranking. I mean, probably uh, challenger qualities. Like he, he, he'd probably get a wild card if he asked for one. He, he's barely out oh, yeah, of college, yeah, so I'm, wild card. yeah, I'm assuming if he asked for a for a wild card in in Charlottesville or Las Vegas, he would get it. But he didn't this week, or or at least he didn't get it, and he's playing again with Schnur. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Be- be- before we move, move out of week, uh, Vegas, let's just mention uh, Aiden McHugh. Who beat yeah. Steve Johnson in the in the first round as a lucky loser? Uh, took Ivo Karlovic's place, which I was initially not very happy about, but you know he pulled off the upset, so good on him there. Um, yeah, let's go to Lima. Of course, yeah. All right, Nicolas Hari won that one over Juan Manuel Serundolo, six two seven five. His fifth challenger title. He's moved up forty spots to number one hundred sixty two. He beat Huertas del Pino Rodriguez. Uh, Tabilo and Kopshiva on route to that title. What did you make of Harry this week? Yeah, I'm a bit bummed about bummed about this because honestly, I picked Jari last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was it, Bogoda or, or something like that, uh, where he lost to Enzo Kwako in the first round. Uh, but yeah, we've been talking about him, that, that he's sort of a player that you should expect to rise up the ranks, whether it's sooner or later, we'll see. But you know, just the sheer power makes it impossible for him to just you know stay around that two two fifty or well, he was two hundred and two, I believe, before this week. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyhow, he was broken three times in a clay court run, not not even altitude. 
the final, I mean, he just bulldozed through it. Like <laughs> Jari Serundoro is probably one of the biggest power differences that you can get on the Challenger Tour. Uh, Serundoro <laughs> still had a couple of uh, a couple of good moments in the second set, but for the most part, the match was solely on Jari's racket. And 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 he just just got that. I mean, in the rallies, the the higher balls from Serundolo were falling just so well in his strike zone that that he was able to pummel all of them. Um, I mean, I, I I love this performance. I, I think he can he can really keep keep doing that. Maybe the golden swing could be a a moment where Jerry sort of you know makes the jump from. Uh, from from challenger uh, from a challenger title here or there to uh, to a good result on the main tour, we shall see. But uh, I definitely like his chances to come back to the top one hundred fairly soon. Um, yeah, yeah, very nice week for Harry. I also wanted to mention Beat Kopshiva here, uh, who made the semifinals. Quite a nice result for him. Finally, uh, and then uh, the, the other semifinalist was was, was Varias. Um, who was your pick? Uh, what did you think of Arias this week? Yeah, just another very good week. Honestly, I don't know how he how he didn't beat Serundolo. The the nineteen year old was so gassed in that second set and the beginning of the third. But one of the reasons why he's been doing so well this year is just being able to pull out these wins, even though it seems like it should be over, and for some reason it isn't. Uh, but but I definitely like Varias to go far in in more of these South American events. Back in the day, I I think he, he used to have one extremely good quality shot with his forehand, and right now he's really improved the other wing too, and and it shows in his in his results in his matches. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else from Lima? Um, your pick was Gareth Metzer, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing to laugh I mean, about. Not, but yeah, I mean, uh, out in the second round, uh, I was convinced by his run from many years ago where he went back to back uh, in a similar position. But uh, yeah, it was never really that close to happening. Lots of other contenders in there. Uh, but I went for Meltzer, uh, which is, oh well. Uh, yeah, should we go okay. to Match of the Week? Episode of the sure. Week? All right, so my match of the week was Stefan Kozlov over Aiden McHugh, 6-2-5-7-7-6, in the tiebreaker, which was uh, quite insane. So many <laughs> missed opportunities for, for McHugh. Um, Kozlov obviously celebrated like crazy after winning that match. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's yours? Yeah, did you purposefully not mention it when we talked about Las Vegas and you mentioned yes. McHugh? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I see what you did there and I did exactly the same thing. <laughs> I mean, well, how can you go against a match that had eight match point saves, a crazy victory dance, uh, some drama in the, in the middle as well, and in general, a very fun to watch style. Uh, yeah. You cannot really pick otherwise from this week. If uh, if you missed Makiu Kozlov, you really missed out on something. <laughs> yes, if, if you missed out on it, go back and rewatch it. I think it's probably it's worth it. Yeah, at least the third yeah. set or something. It, it is worth it. Uh, yes, and for episode of the week, I went for Guinard over Rinderknecht um, in the first round. Which I, I really did not expect that. What was yours? 
Cool. Yeah, I, I think I think too highly of Guinard to go for this one. Uh, for the bookies, it was also uh, not the highest one. I think the third one. Uh, I went for what the bookies went for as well, because that completely surprised me. And it was Goncalo Villanueva beating uh, Dimitar Kuzmanov. <laughs> uh, I guess there was some sort of a question mark on Kuzmanov's form because it was his first event in South America. I think even the first since the Barcelona title, right? Uh, I can't really remember him playing uh, since Barcelona to, yeah, uh, until Lima. Uh, so I guess there were some question marks, some uh, some unanswered things there. But uh, you know, I was I, I I didn't actually see it. I watched Villanueva's next match against Barrios Vera, and I was fully ready to you know uh, call that uh, Goncalo Villanueva is gonna have some very good rise and that he's playing so well right now. And honestly, wasn't that impressed. <laughs> so that also adds to my uh, surprise factor in the Kuzmanov match. Uh, yes, yeah. So should we go to our previews and predictions for next week? Yeah, we have five events again, and it's going to be five events once more. November is very busy. Uh, yes, let's start with Guayaquil, where we have a top seed, Javier Munar playing his first challenger since March. Uh, kind of kind of surprised to see him in the draw here. He opens against Tabilo. Um, he also has Francisco Serundolo as the other seed in the section. Uh, some of the interesting names, Vít Kopchiva, um, who, who reached the semifinals last week. And then mostly just filler here with uh, Oliveira. There is a wild card, uh, Alvaro Guillen Mesa, uh, no normally contenders there, Daring King as well, who I thought he had retired essentially for to coach, but I, I guess he's he's still playing um, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, next section, we have Sebastian Paez. Fourth seed opens against Nicolas Kiker, who I think he's on a streak of like second of like quite a few second round exits, um, which I assume will be broken here because Baez is a <laughs> superior player. Um, okay, uh, four second round exits in a row, but actually when you when you look back, it's five out of six as well. So yeah, just mm -hmm. very solidly getting these second rounds of uh, quarterfinals, but but not really further. Yeah. Uh, yes, we were supposed to have Nicolas Hari in the section, but I believe he pulled out. Uh, so Alexis Galarno is going to play a qualifier or, or a lucky loser. The other seat in the section is Thiago Seboshfield, who plays Andrea Coyarini. Um, and the other guy in there that I've not mentioned is Nick Hart. So not expecting much out of him, but you never know. Um, third section, we have uh, uh, the third seat, Daniel Elahi Galan, who's been struggling quite a bit recently. Uh, to to break through, he has one win in uh, one win since Toronto in, in August, which isn't great. He was against uh, his countryman Nicolas Mejia. Other seed in the section is Hugo de Yen, seventh seed uh, plays Peja Kaskin. We also have Jesper de Jong, Kido Andreozzi, Facundo Diaz Acosta, and a qualifier in the section. And then the final section. We have uh, the second seed Facundo Pagnis playing Edna Casanova, potentially Tirante uh, in the second round, which would be interesting. Also, eighth seed Tomas Martin Echeverri playing Roberto Quiros, uh, wildcard for Diego Hidalgo and 
two qualifiers in there. So what do you make of the draw? Yes. Uh, as for the qualities, I, I don't know if, there, if there's any, uh, you know, if there's any guys that could really get on a run. Uh, there was a fun story with uh, Daniel Dutra da Silva and Facundo Juarez playing a 25k final in Guayaquil. And then like four hours later, stepping onto the courts to play challenger qualities in Guayaquil. So they did at least they didn't have to travel, but still it's still a pretty funny occurrence. Dutra da Silva was also playing a guy who whom he played uh, the day before in 25k semis. But anyhow, probably not really looking at them in terms of winner picks. Uh, it's hard to look past Sebastian Baez, honestly, with how dominant he's been recently. Although that first round matchup against Kicker is, you know, not an automatic win, but I really like his draw after that. Uh, Monar is, is certainly a possibility as well, but he's playing Tabilo, then can get Serundolo. Um, many withdrawals here from the guys that we've seen in previous weeks, right? Jari, uh, Varias, Juan Manuel Serundolo. Uh, that, that's the week they chose to skip. Uh, I was certainly looking at Bagnis or Echeverri as well, but I think I'm just going to go with the boring answer and say Sebastian Baez. I mean, I need to make up these points somehow. <laughs> um, all right, so Baez for you. Obviously, I also thought about Baez, but I'm not going for him this time. Yes. Um, I'm going to go for Tomas Martin Echeverri. Uh, I really like his opening two rounds there. Um, he's been sort of unlucky uh, losing in quarterfinals in Lima, in Buenos Aires. So I feel like he can he can break through here and win another title. So Echeverri for me. Okay, I'm glad that I went with four buys, not for Echeverri then. Uh, but maybe I'm not going to be glad when the week finishes and, and Echeverri claims the title, which is perfectly possible. Um, okay, so I guess we're doing it now. We have, we've got three uh, European events left and one American Let's stay in the Americas. Let's go to Charlottesville. Sure. Um, where we have Vasek uh, Pospisil as the top seed. Um, his first challenger uh, of the year, at least. I'm, I'm not sure when he played his last one here. Uh, 2019, in probably, right? Calgary. Yeah, th th in Calgary, 2020. Uh, th uh, early in the season, he lost to Zhuk in the, in the quarters, yes. In, or in the second round, yeah. Yeah, uh, so Pospisil plays Emilio Nava, which is an interesting match. Uh, to start, then the winner of Tatsuma Ito and Go Sueda, two very, two very experienced Japanese players, for whom it will actually be their 12th meeting. Um, <laughs> uh, Sueda leads the head-to-head 7-4. -head to four. They first met in 2008, which is just wild to see. Um, then we have Jason Kubler facing Jeffrey von der Schulenberg uh, from Switzerland. I assume a college player from, from the area. Uh, yeah, Virginia. University of Virginia, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And then we, we have a very interesting first round here between Bjorn Fertangelo, the seventh seed, and Stefan Kozlov, uh, last week's finalist in Vegas. So very intriguing first quarter here. Um, then we have Mitchell Kruger, the third seed, facing a qualifier. And potentially Jeffrey John Wolf or Martin Dam in the second round. Get a seed in the section is Blajerola playing Tyson Kwiatkowski. Uh, and then we have Yosuke Watanuki against Christopher Eubanks. In the third section, we have Jack Sock, the fourth seed, playing Mikhail Torpegat. Uh, then potentially Michael Moe or Sedigma Tostebe in the second round. 
fifth seed Dmitry Popko playing Alexander Vukic and Tonglin Wu facing a qualifier. And in the final section, we have Taro Daniel, the second seed playing Prajnish Gunesvaran, potentially Peter Polanski or qualifier Polanski with a protected ranking. I didn't realize that he had been away, but there he is. We, he, I mean, he hasn't really been away. He's played 23 <laughs> tournaments this year, but protected ranking for him. Now, um, I mean, there, there's been a couple of these recently. I saw Gilles Simon playing yeah. uh, in Paris with a protected ranking. Yeah. And I mean, Polanski got... 36 losses in 2019, 25 in 2020, and 23 this year. I mean, it, it, he definitely didn't have a half a year break. Ah, okay. But I mean, this protected ranking is still viable. I don't know. He retired uh, back in. No, but it doesn't really work. I don't know. I I I, I can't understand this. I, I I have no clue how this how this happened with Polanski or Simo. Anyhow, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's 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 um. It's not good. It shouldn't be there. We shouldn't keep these pretty much irrelevant players when it comes to the results around based on protected ranking, which I don't know how they earned. Uh, but yeah, six seed Jason Jung playing a qualifier. And then in the second round, either Uchiyama or Schnur. In qualifying, the big name is obviously Dennis Kudla, who I assume just was a late sign-in uh, and didn't get a wild card. Um, and he plays Aiden McHugh for, for a spot in the... Uh, main draw. So, what do you make of the draw? I think a lot of exciting first rounds. Yep. I mean, Kudla McHugh is the match to watch today, honestly. Uh, that, that could be really exciting. If a top 100 player doesn't qualify for a challenger, that would be quite something. Uh, Christian Harrison could, could always go far as well. Uh, yeah, looking at the draw, obviously the top half seems to be a lot stronger especially some of these first round matchups like Kozlov for Tangelo or the second uh, Kruger Wolf possibly. Uh, that, that's going to be quite huge. Then again, you know, it could be Kruger Kudla in the, in the opening round. Uh, who else Who else Kudla could, could play if he advances? Polanski, Jung or Wu. So Kruger is probably the only the only tough matchup for him. Uh, for the winner pick, I, I, I was definitely looking at someone from the bottom half, and I'm currently debating between Alexander Vukic and Jack Sog. Uh, I like the draw for both. I'm just not really sure what to expect from Sok, and I am sort of afraid that Vukic could be uh, drawn into many extended rallies by, by Popko, but then again, on, on, on a hard court, uh, indoors even, right? Yeah, this one is indoors. Uh, he should probably manage that. So I think I'm going to go for Vukic, but I wouldn't be all that surprised with Baisok winning this. Yes, okay, good. Because I'm going for Jack Sok here. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's he's coming back from, from injury that, that he withdrew with uh, from the US Open. He retired in the third round there. Since then, he's played in Indian Wells. Lost in the first round to John Millman. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to know what to expect, but uh, if you can get on a run here, it can certainly be difficult to stop. Um, yeah, as you see, the bottom half is much more pickable because because when you look at like, the first two sections, it's, it's tough. Yeah, like from uh, the bottom, the, the players who win it are probably Vukic, Sok, Mo, maybe. And yeah, I mean, I, like I, I thought about Kudla because he does have 75% I mean, chance yeah, of winning sure. in, the, in, in, in the bottom half. But, um, I mean, he's not even in the, in the draw yet, so it would be 
it would be a big thing to to pick him. But I yes, think we had one one correct pick from the qualifying this year, right? Like I can't remember uh, if it was maybe bias. Yeah, you 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 picked bias, and I picked kicker once, and he reached the final. Uh, yes, qualifier. you picked kicker as a qualifier yeah. in top. And, but, but, yeah, you, you picked bias, and he actually got you. And I picked ten, bias, but... and he got me point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me look at the doubles here. See who Jack Sock is playing with. Uh, I guess he's not. Is he not playing doubles? Then more focus on the singles. Ah, there you that's, go. That's good, good for your pick. Yeah. Good picks here. Um, yes, let's move to Europe. Let's start with let's start with Tenerife. That's what I have uh, lined up here. Sure. Talon Greek Sport uh, is the top seed playing Ergi Kirkin. Um, then potentially Mark Pullman's in the second round. In this section, he has six seed Alto Celibilek. Timofey Skato, which should be an interesting match. Um, Jay Clark against Chun Xin Tseng, who is no longer coached by the Maker Bati. And I will name Jake Pavel Chaz because he lost to Tseng last week in, in a 25k. Ah, there you go. We, we, we both get our, our guys in. Um, second section, we have Fernando Verrasco playing Giammarco Moroni. Daniel Rincon is in the, uh, with a wild card. He's playing Lorenzo Giustino. Other seed in the section is seven seed Elias Imer playing Hiroki Moria, and then either Nuno Borges or Kimer Kopians. Next section, we've got Quentin Alice playing a qualifier, and then Andrei Kuznetsov or Constant Lestien. Kuznetsov, I, I don't think that we've seen him in a while on a. Yeah, on a he played the 25K in the Sultan, uh, lost in the final to Philippe Alibo. Yeah, he, he played qualies in Orlans. That was his last um, challenger. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and then we have Thomas Fabiano playing Manuel Guinat and Joao Souza, the eighth seed, just coming off of a final in Brest. Uh, the final section, we have Feliciano Lopez, the second seed, playing Dalibor Sorcina, which, um, let me just look up the age difference, but it's going to be massive. 20-year age, sorry, 21-year age difference <laughs> between the two guys. Uh, which is quite insane. Uh, whoever wins that match will be playing Ferreira Silva in the second round or qualifier. And then we have fifth seed Emilio Gomez playing Michael Hertz and Ryan Peniston playing Joris Delour. Uh, yeah, who catches your eye here? Who do you like? Delour could be interesting, honestly. He he won a 25k in, in Portugal recently, Portugal, I think, or maybe France, France. I think I think he won the France over Van Asch, yeah, uh, Toulouse or something like that. Uh, from the qualities, there are a couple of good names that could that could possibly go far. Gianu or Alexander Shevchenko, whom I, I am always looking at as a potential breakthrough at some point. Uh, Alexis Gutierrez is there, which is kind of interesting because he was playing all these South American events and doing well, but then decided to come back. I have no idea what he can do on the hard court. Just looking at how his game works, probably not much, but we'll see. Uh, I, I'm struggling, honestly, in this draw. Uh, I am very tempted to just go for history and go down Greek sport. Uh, and I think that's um, that's what I'm going to go for. Usually, I, I would be probably tempted by Cherik Bilek, but his, his form really seems to have dropped off. Verdasco now. I mean, Lopez... Uh, I I I, I kind of like a couple of these, uh, you know, outside contenders in the bottom half, like like Delor or Emilio Gomez, like one of them, the guy who wins the the second round matchup, possible that is possible between them could could go far, 
provided that Lopez isn't exactly a threat, which he, I think in the previous two challengers that he played this year, he lost to Hugo Grenier, right? <laughs> in, in both of them. Grenier is not around mm -hmm. this time, so, yeah. <laughs> so maybe he can actually... Should be unstoppable go. in theory. Yeah, maybe he can actually go far. But then again, uh, you know, it was second rounds, I believe, so he, he only has two, two wins. He, he, he defeated that guy who was unranked, uh, Julio Cesar Porras, right? Or something like that. Yeah, then, yeah, the, yeah, the guy who won a contest. Exactly. And then also <laughs> another one which I which I can't remember. So I don't know about that unstoppable theory. Uh I'm definitely also thinking of Quentin Malice, but I've been wrong so many times this year on Quentin Malice that uh, I'm traumatized. I'm gonna go for town Greek sport history. Let's go. Uh, yes, I mean, the, the one thing about Greek sport, every single one of his uh, titles this year has come on clay, uh, but, but you know, he's, he's had some okay results on, on hard courts. I just want to give oh, it a major, quick right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he made the Montpellier second round as a qualifier and like, uh, pushed on here quite, as well, quite well. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, Greek sport also, by the way, playing doubles with Quentin Alice, who who mentioned earlier, so that should be interesting. And Lopez and Vedasco also playing together. So quite quite fun in Tenerife. Um, Druva Mulia is here. Oh, <laughs> yes, Druva Mulia. Oh oh God, he is here. Druva Mulia. I just noticed him. God, I didn't realize. Yeah, and he's playing with. He's not playing with Marino this time. I mean. Uh, no, maybe, maybe I'm not even going to say a thing. It's he's playing with uh, David Vega Hernandez, who's a top 100 doubles player. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if I keep talking about him with no filter, then he's gonna sue me at some point. So, <laughs> I mean, but he, he had to pay him to play with him, right? I mean, Vega Hernandez is a guy who's taking his tennis seriously. He won. Uh, yeah. He wanted to 50 this year in doubles. Uh, he's obviously been great on the Challenger Tour as well. Uh, the one in Sevilla and Alicante, I think. So, no, I, I don't know. Let's, yeah, let's stop talking about Druva Mulia. Yeah, j j just a quick look into Mulia since we last saw him when he won, well, won, got, got a retirement from There's Boston. nothing, yeah. Um, he, he played with uh, Ilel uh, Rousseau, who's a, who's an unranked, oh, no, not, not unranked. Uh, he's the, he's a, he's a player from Haiti. Outside the top 2,000, lost twice to Fancelo in uh, 25k <laughs> doubles, quite quite brutally both times. Um, and yeah, here he comes with the guy Nandes. I mean, probably probably Marrero hooked it up, I guess, but <laughs> just just wild. Uh, they're playing Locke and Tang, who, uh, if I remember correctly, oh no, never mind, no, my bad. But yeah. Um, they're, they're starting with a protected ranking, so I guess if they're going to play anybody, I guess that, that's a pretty good shout. Ila Rousseau, by the way, also in this draw, um, playing with somebody I don't really know, Ivan Marrero Curbelo. Not me neither. Have you heard of him? No, no. So, two couple of interesting wildcards. I haven't said my pick yet. It's also a Greek score. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, obviously, it's some guys to consider here. Chalik Bilek, Sosa, I guess. Um, Alice, potentially. But yeah, Lopez and Vedasco, I don't trust in the slightest. Um, yeah, let's go for history. Let's both cheer for Greek sport here. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have a very good chance to get that seventh title this year. 
uh, with Bias having to play so many more events, like probably five or four, depending on whether he plays the next gen finals. Uh, mm. Bonzi potentially, I think he's playing Rohan, right? And next uh, yeah. week. Yeah, uh, so 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 there's there there is really a, a pretty good chance that we get the seventh title this year. Um all right, let's go to Ekental, the, the carpet event. Top seed Jordan Thompson plays Mats Rosenkrantz, a major upset alert on that one after Thompson lost first round last week in Ismaning. But the winner of that faces Ruben Bemelmans or qualifier. We also have Mats Korang as a seventh seat, hopefully playing this time, playing Max Hans Rehberg, and then either Mark Andrea Hisler or a qualifier. Next section, we have Ismaning champion Oscar Ota playing Daniel Masur. Um, winner of that faces Marvin Miller or Mirza Basic. Then we have eighth seat uh, Kasper Zhuk playing Maximilian Marterer. The winner of that faces Ramkumar Ramanathan or Lukasz Latsko. Which That's is a strong certain, section. Yeah. yeah, very strong section. <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, then we have uh, Yuri Rodionov playing Dominic Stefan Stricker, which should be fun to watch. Um, we know that faces Kopil or Sachko. Um, we've got fifth seed Tomasz Mahaj playing Jack Draper. Winner of that faces Julian Lenz or Qualifier. And then we have Yuji Vesely in a Czech derby against Junash Foritek. Winner of that faces Bachinger or Vavasori. And six seed Maxim Cressy plays a qualifier, and then Blancano or Furness. So, who are you looking at here? Who do you like from from this draw? Yeah, I'm afraid we're, I'm gonna have the same pick as you. I I honestly am like sixty percent sure, but we shall see. Anyhow, from the qualies, there are a couple of there are a couple of these uh, players that could potentially do well. Alexander Erler, although I'm not sure how he will fare on carpet courts. Like I, I don't think I think his game more more suited to play. Misha Zverev won a match, but it was against a, a German wildcard, so you know, um, don't go crazy on him yet. Uh, Tobias Simon, yeah, I really want to watch. He's he's obviously quite one of these very crazy guys who, even though I don't like the expression serpot. Uh, this is one of the guys you can use it on, <laughs> probably. Uh, do you know he he holds the record for the most uh, aces in a free set match on the challenge? Oh wow, I, I did not know that. Yeah, can you can you guess what the number could be? Uh, aces in a three set match, you said? Yeah, it was a challenger tour uh, in Italy. I think one of the. Interviews. No idea, no idea. What is it? Well, you know, just take a guess. I don't know, forty. 52. Jesus Christ. Uh, 45 is the is on the main tour. It's uh, Ivo Karlovic from uh, from Halle. He beat Berdyk uh, six years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, so Simon blasted wow. 52 in one match. So someone we're always going to look at on carpets as potentially dangerous. But then again, his baseline game is, is what it is. Uh, I love that section of Ramanathan Lachko Martyrishuk. That's like peak, peak carpet tennis, especially Ramanathan Lachko. But that, that's gonna be amazing. Uh, Thompson Rosenkrantz, as you said, a huge upset alert. Uh, honestly, Rosenkrantz is like the favorite of this. Probably match the favorite, party. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> probably not for the bookies. Yeah, as I see, yeah, one fifty for Thompson, but uh, I don't think it's exactly correct. Maybe I'm just underestimating how good Thompson can be on such courts. 
but the, the loss to Foretek wasn't exactly uh, a pr uh, an evidence of that. Yeah. So Striker Rudionov, again, a very good first round matchup, Mahaj Draper, but I'm going to go for Maxim Kressi. And I'm very afraid that you have the same pick. Yes, I, I've also gone for Maxim Kressi here. Yeah. Uh, I very much like his first two rounds. I mean, qualifier probably should be fine. And then Blancano or Fernes. Uh, Vesely lost first round last week to Mate, uh, but it seemed like a tight match there, 7-6-6-4. Uh, obviously had a nice run, but I like Chris, he really should be beating them, but, you know, he should be doing a lot of things, and he isn't always very reliable. <laughs> but, yeah, e either way, with with, with Ote Latsko-Juk being all in one section and then Morang, um, we're, we're not sure how he's physically after last week, uh, I, I feel like Cressy is quite the obvious pick. So, yeah, Maxim Cressy for both of us there. Yeah, so I wasn't wrong there. Sadly, we, we already have two, two of the same picks. Uh, not ideal when you need to make up for four, four points. I, I, yeah, it's 14 yeah. points right now. Yeah, but I'm going to try. Yeah. At least we're playing until the, until the middle of December. You know, there, There's pretty much no off-season so that I can catch you. So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I, I thought that we were going to have to plan, like, a good couple of off-season podcasts, but apparently we're just going to have, like, two, I guess. Literally, <laughs> we don't have to plan anything, probably. I mean, we can we can do, like, a summary or something, and, and the next season is going to start. Uh, it's yeah. it's kind of weird, honestly. I don't know how I feel about that. It's not like I need a break uh, or something, but, I mean... We always talk about players having a very good season or something, right? It's the season is that sort of a, a you know spot where you where you where you start thinking of things differently, and also the players kind of need to reset. I'm also very curious what the cutoffs are going to be because I'm assuming that there will be some players that are gonna say, okay, I'm not gonna play in January uh, in December. I need that training block. But for yeah. the guys on the Challenger Tour, who are, you know, for the most part struggling for money, they might not have that option too. So I don't know. I'm expecting the cutoffs to be fair, a little bit lower, but probably nothing crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should drop a bit, but but we'll see about that. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I mean, like, there are very few guys who play a like a full season in a row without like a training block in the middle or a break in the middle so i guess it makes sense to have tournaments almost every single week or with a very limited off season but i feel like if we're operating in this like system of seasons in tennis we really should have an off season of some sort so i guess those two weeks i guess, I guess that's all right um but yeah it, it should certainly be interesting so uh, we have that. So let's move on to Bergamo, the, the last one for us to predict. We have Alex Molchan as the top seed, playing Alexander Muller. I'm very curious to see what, what Molchan is going to bring here on the on the indoor hard. Um, so th that should be interesting. He's, he's playing Muller, who, who will reach the semifinals in Brest. Winner faces Safford or qualifier. We have Zdeni Kolaj against Michal Kukushkin uh, in the next section. I was surprised that Kukushkin's ranking has dropped so much. Um, he's at number 159 entering the tournament, which is quite quite wild. That was surprising to see him uh, unseated. The winner of that face is O'Connell or Madden. Then we have third seed Jorge Rune playing Matthias Borg. Winner faces Horansky or Qualifier. 
We have Damir Jumhuras, the eighth seed, playing Flavio Kuboli, uh, and then Lehechka against Grenier, which should be interesting. Um, fourth seed, Radu Albot facing Maxime Janvier. Uh, winner faces Ilkel or Qualifier. Fifth seed, Brody playing um, Petrovic. Marcinko playing Nardi. Uh, and then in the final section, Denis Novak playing Roberto Marcora, Evgeny Donskoy playing Federico Gallo, Sergei Stachowski uh, in here, who hasn't played since uh, September in, in Kiev, uh, playing Matteo Arnaldi, and then uh, the winner of that face is the seventh seed, Nikola Milojevic, or qualifier. Um, so what do, you, what do you make of the draw here? Yeah, Stachowski is having his uh, last season, right? And hasn't really yeah. played in a while, which is kind of surprising. But then again, uh, I saw he was also signed up for Helsinki. I'm assuming Bratislava as well. I didn't actually look at the at the edge. I'm, I'm not sure. And um, no, he's actually aha, only only the main draw, but he's the third alternate, so he can he can he, maybe he's in, yeah. yeah he can maybe get in for Helsinki. He's the ninth alternate, but he also signed up for the qualities. So I am probably going to get to uh, see Sergei Stakowski for the life for the last time. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, in the qual is probably not really looking at anyone. I'm curious what Filip Nisolic can do because I've pretty much only seen him on clay, uh, you know, in 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 his career, and he defeated Idukovic, who should have a better indoor, um, you know, indoor game in general. Uh, if I remember correctly, these challengers were very fast, right? These Italian ones, Ortisei, Bergamo. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the conditions were quite... Uh, it's, it's a fairly interesting thing that uh, when you look at the last winners of this event, uh, it's, it's like a, an all-star field. You've got from 2014 onwards, Bolelli, Per, Herbert, Janovic, and then 2018 and 2019, both guys are in the top 10 right now. <laughs> Berrettini and Sinner. Uh, obviously, wow. that's mostly due to the 2020 final not being played due to uh, the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic breaking out. That was like the, the whole tournament was played, but the final was uh, was not able. They were not able to hold the final between Barchenko and Quaco. That obviously would have made the the winner list a little a little bit uh, less exciting but anyhow i'm talking about some very weird stuff because i don't know what to what to go for here uh, i like brody's section i think marchenko is potentially the only big danger there uh, i was i'm definitely looking at denis novak as well marcora used to have some good results you know in these italian indoor events but then again, he's not really in great form. Uh, yeah, I I will go for Denis Novak. I'm looking at the draw and thinking who who you will pick, and then maybe you're gonna go for Rune. So hopefully not Denis Novak. Uh, yeah, you're gonna hate me here. I'm going for Denis Novak. No. <laughs> <laughs> I promise that it was not based on your pick. No, uh, I, I really trust you. Okay, but. I, I really like his action here. Uh, Markora, Donskoy, uh, Gaio, who knows what Stakowski has left. Milojevic isn't a very strong seat to me. So uh, Denis Novak is, is a <laughs> good take for me here. As I said, Brody's section is interesting, although not really trustworthy right now. Um, Molchan, I, I need to see him do it on, on indoor hard. 
Um, I, I, it, like, I'm trying to remember when I, when I last watched him. I watched him at Davis Cup against Chile, where he he got kind of routine by Garin, who got absolutely murdered by Gombos the next day. So that wasn't very convincing at all. <laughs> um, plus, he, he has Muller, who's pretty in form. Um, yeah, uh, Rune also, also would be an interesting pick. But yeah, Denis Novak, I'm, I'm going for him here. I, I really like him on, on indoor hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to say about this. Why not Rune? Uh, why not Rune? <laughs> I I guess it's a tougher section, maybe for me there. Um, also, I mean the the form isn't great. He lost to Laxon, and he's he's only won one match in his last five here so so that's kind of interesting yeah i agree i mean i think he suffers from overplaying he had that big goal yeah. of reaching the top 100 at some point and he never really never really came close and played way too many events i think yeah uh, he, he's played 89 matches um <laughs> quite well yeah for for an 18 year old so, so this uh, is a guy who needs that sort of off-season break training yeah he's He's gonna need to take the take a break. But I'm, sure I'm, I'm assuming he's not gonna play on until December. There's there's just no events that would interest him there. Probably there's you know, December. You pretty much have interplay in Maya and South America. So maybe yeah. I'm assuming he will just stop at some point. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, I guess that's what we're gonna finish at. Do you uh, wanna read out the the the, the winner picks? Or did you already not? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. So. Um, in, in Guayaquil, I've gone for Echeverri, you have gone for Baez. In Charlottesville, I've gone for Sok, you've gone for Vukic. Uh, and then in Tenerife, we've both, we've both gone for Greek Sport. In Ekintal, we've both gone for Cressy. And in Bergamo, we've both gone for Novak. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I will be reading out the, the winners first next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, can, we can try that, I guess. Uh, no, but, uh, I, I, I believe you that that yeah that it was then uh, that that it wasn't uh, you know uh, it, it wasn't exactly your intention uh, and then, uh, we've we've gone anonymous in Europe I think which is which is also pretty interesting we've already gone got some sort mm. of a trend uh, anyhow yeah I think that's what we're gonna finish at thanks for listening and we're gonna see you in a week's time to talk about uh, Guayaquil, Charlottesville, Eckenthal, Bergamo and Tenerife yes I named them all uh, five of them next week we're actually gonna have one of these very longish podcasts where we talk about five challenger events and preview five challenger events which is cool that's gonna be the last one of these this year uh, yeah so thanks for listening again and, and see you. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric podcast from hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. A thank you to them, as always, for taking the time to record these shows sincerely. I say it every week. You know what's coming, folks. You are not going to find two people further ensconced on the ATP Challenger beat than Damian Kust and Jakob. So again, thank you to them for taking the time to record this episode, as I mentioned at the top. We also had the opportunity to discuss this week's ATP and WTA tour-level action 
conversation over on our mini break podcast feed. We talk all things Annette Conteve and the WTA tour on episode number one with David Kane. I then ride Han Solo to break down all the ATP tour level action. Wanted to talk about some of the ITF results we saw as well. Again, both of those podcasts available on the mini break podcast feed or on our website, crackrackets.com, whichever is easier for you. Of course, we're rocking and rolling here. Busy week for us at Crack Rackets. College Contender Series getting ready to rock and roll. We're going to preview our top 10 men, top 10 women's teams heading into the 2022 dual match season. Do one team a week on the men's and women's side, starting at number 10, working our way all the way to number one. Of course, that's going to hopefully include conversations with the head coaches for each of these teams. It'll include both our newest contributor, John Parsons, Jay and I talking about the women. Then, of course, the college tennis holy trinity, Matt Stokoyak, Chris Helley and myself discussing all things on the men's side. Yes, off-season is very much on the horizon on the pro tennis world, but there's a lot to get excited about already with 2022 in mind. That's what we're going to do here at Cracked Rackets. Ensure you're feeling that love, feeling that energy about all things happening in the tennis world throughout each and every week, each and every month, each and every day of the year. Of course, all of that content going to be available on our website, crackrackets.com, and all of that content also made possible because of the work of our super producers, Max Flager and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. With all of that said, for our hosts, Damian Kust and Jakob Babro, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends over at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>